This is the one with a blue monolith. A microcephalic apostate. And belting and bracing for impact. It's called Time Lash. Here, Here we, we go. go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalen, Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Why, hello there, beautiful people out there in podcast land. Welcome down your earbuds once again with <laughs> that fantastic show you love. It's Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that so loudly. In here, inside your earbuds, podcast land. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, quite. Ooh, that was a delicious voice coming mm-hmm, into yeah. my earbuds, my earbuds belonging to the creature known as Jim, that's me. Jim? But the sound that I heard came from a different creature. By, pray tell, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening today, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm loving it. Uh, hey Jim, I'm Leon. Hello. Hello, Leon. <laughs> Hello, podcast lad. <laughs> we are going to somehow get ourselves together a little bit, drink some more booze probably, because that always helps. And then uh, I think we're going to talk about Time Lash. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Is this as divisive a serial as last week's, Jim? I don't think it can be, because oh. I don't love or hate it. Do you love oh. or hate it? No, but I am leaning in one of those two directions. <laughs> oh, okay. Guess which oh, one? <laughs> Oh, he's looking quite excited. I don't know if that's excited because yeah. he wants to rip it apart, but I'm feeling oh, yeah. it's excited because he loves it. I mean, it's pretty close to it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to get anything off your chest, big picture-wise, or should we just go... Oh, what's this big picture on my chest? <laughs> <laughs> There's only one part of this that I'm not 100% sure how I feel about. <laughs> Sorry for the prepositional issues there. And that might be Herbert. But aside Ooh. from that, yeah. I think we need to discuss Herbert in depth. <laughs> but aside from that, yeah, you know what? I'm kind of on board. Like, I'm probably a bit wishy-washy about everything. I have quite a clear opinion on Herbert, actually. And it might not be Ooh. the one you expect. <laughs> oh, I am curious. <laughs> okay, lots of lots of curiosities. No one's quite sure where we're going to go. Oh, you probably know already, Podcast 9, because you're so brilliant and so wise. And... <laughs> Jesus, I mean, why are we even talking to Why don't you, to you? go marry you should be it. talking to us. Anyway, <laughs> we are going to talk to you. Maybe we'll talk to you in a bite-sized chunk of who style. Mmm, yum. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. Time for us to synopsize, lebify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. On the planet Carfell, the despotic Burad rules the population of roughly 500 with an iron fist, forcing them to obey his every whim or face excommunication by way of the titular Time Lash, a corridor through space and time that leads to almost certain death. Using political proxies and a TV avatar, Borad rules from the shadows is not even above cutting off the grain supply to a neighbouring planet of Bandaral. 
His hate-fueled rule in turn fuels rebellion, however, and thus both in the Carful High Council and in the easily accessible caves, not below but sort of adjacent to the main-slash-only dwelling on the planet, a band of freedom fighters are forming a loose set of principles that vaguely amount to a plan. Meanwhile, the Sixth Doctor and Perry are gaily travelling in the TARDIS when they get stuck in said time corridor, nearly by the proverbial space farm and even witness a Carfell rebel swooshing through space-time, untethered from reality. Steering their way to the relative safety of Carfell, they soon become embroiled in the political goings-on and are forced to pick a side. Unsurprisingly, they pick the underdog. Slightly surprisingly, they are also joined by 19th century Earthling Herbert on their quest for justice. The pressure is on, though. Giant dragon creatures lurk in the caves. Blue-faced androids roam inevitably corridors and the bandrels of Benderel are preparing an attack. Piscal over. You are welcome. You are welcome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is that your blue man group voice? <laughs> It was, although it sounded more Dalek-y as I as I heard it. It was a little bit, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> it wasn't Mickey Mouse enough, was it? <laughs> I love those androids, or that android. Is there just one android, or are there multiple? I believe there are multiple, because I think we see one get destroyed, and then we immediately see another one. Oh, okay, fair enough, okay. But, yeah, anyway, let's not start there. That's a weird place to start. Let's do this problem. Agreed. Okay? <laughs> Where would you like to start? I would like to start by asking you, what starter questions do you have, Leon? Because <laughs> you've always got <laughs> <laughs> wow classic <laughs> classic gym cakes all right fine let's do that i've got plenty of starter questions you know what i'm gonna start with a oh i'm gonna start with this one does the time lash always lead to the same point in space and or time i believe the answer is no next question aha <laughs> but <laughs> but Consider that Borat goes to Scotland in the end. Yes. Where Herbert was also. So I don't know if Borat goes to the 12th century or the 19th century. I can't remember what, if it was the 12th century. But I don't know if they say when he arrives, but they do say he arrives there. Yes. I think the same place is what is established for these two things that we are aware of. I don't know if okay. that's where they always get sent. Do they always get sent to this one place on Earth, which is conveniently That's sort of what Earth. I was going to get at. Like, I don't know. <laughs> does that... <laughs> Like, face certain death at the end of the time lash when actually you'll arrive, like, you'll land really softly on a pile of dead Scarfells. It's just like, oh, right, okay, no, no props here. <laughs> Cushioned landing. Yeah, I don't really know why. I guess it's a time lash. It's not a time and space lash. <laughs> so it was just a time corridor to this one point. You know what? I can buy that. That makes sense. I don't think it was very explained. To be honest, actually, the question I had was, why did they call it a time lash? Like, lash, to me, sounds like a whip type thing, or it's... I guess That's it is just a tethered question. idea, maybe. But they, they just seem to see it as, like, execution portal. Like, yeah, how exactly. did they get the name? Through time. time. For no reason, like the by the way. Why would like, the Borad tell them it had anything to do with time? Why did the Borad... Like, why, why did it? Is, well, aren't there like, better things yeah. to do with a time device? That's like, hey, well, we got a thing that teletransports us anywhere we like. We're now going to use it to wash our carpets. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> no, no, you're implementing this technology the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> but we have such clean carpets. We can't go back to the days before we had such clean carpets. <laughs> yeah. 
No, that's a super good question. Do they do anything else with it? Uh, wait, who's wait, 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 whose technology is this? If you worked it out, I missed it. No, I have no idea. I'm kind of guessing that Borat invented that it. Borat somehow did it. Yeah, but it's this big hand wave of scientists mutating self equals yep. very strong, lives forever, really smart. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, follow-up question. Is Borat now Nessie? It seems that... Was just, I, I don't know if we can say 100% that was established. It was bloody well hinted at, though. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, I don't quite understand. I mean, the idea that there is a Loch Ness monster that looks like a giant serpent thing, which is what the Molochs were vaguely like. Yeah. And then he is not like that, but he's confused for one. I don't know if it's implying that he has transformed over time. Like one, so he'll, he'll one side of his genetics. Yeah, maybe. Or it's just yeah. all people ever saw was just a blob in the water. And that was him. <laughs> Oh, why is he living in the water? It's why not, like not his He's secret lair is a tank, dragon like fish a fish thing. tank. <laughs> if anything, he should have a swivel chair. Like that's his natural habitat is a swivel <laughs> <Yes>. chair. So... <laughs> his natural habitat is a swivel chair. <laughs> Quite. I mean, that's the natural habitat of probably eighty percent of uh, <laughs> population. At Lockdown the workers. Working from yeah. Home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. I mean, I've got more questions if you want to. Hit me, baby. All right. <laughs> How do you like these apples? Why is there just a door to the caves in one of the corridors? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is this what we're going to do? Are we going to ask questions about this cereal? It's not going to have any answers, dude. <laughs> it's nonsense. <laughs> I mean, can we establish that? Like, this cereal is absolute nonsense, yeah? Oh, it's garbled and redonkulous. And actually, now that I think about it, no, no, yes, I do love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason that I kind of like it, is it's just nice. it's so ridiculous that it's... Yeah, I'm not... I mean, no, no spoilers here, but I'm not going to give this a high score. It's just not going to okay. get a really, really low <laughs> score like last time. It's just... I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of heart in this one. The acting was quite often very hammy, but the good kind of hammy, where someone was, was just yes, trying exactly. really hard. Oh my goodness. There were a couple of... Oh my god. Yeah, I actually totally forgot about the youngsters at the start, which were all... Actually, they were just terrible. That was not the good kind of hammy acting. That was just shit acting. <laughs> That's like, oh, quick, throw them down the time lapse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if you don't do it, I'm doing it. I'm climbing through my television set and I'm going to throw them in. But yeah, that kind of feeling that everyone was maybe having a bit of fun or at least, you know, trying to do the best that they could with the material they've got. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, sure. There were quite a few familiar, I guess, slightly tropey elements to this story. Since you brought up that opening gambit with the three rebels who are running around, the youngsters who can't act and who are bereft of both freedom and talent. And I mean, we've had quite a few serials, right, where people are Logans running around, just going, oh, we can't take it. We want to rebel against or we want to escape from whatever political system is in place to oppress us. Yeah, defo. We've also had the gray eminence behind the scenes quite often. Did you at any point think that this might be the master or someone like that? I mean, it briefly crossed my mind, but I didn't really suspect it would be. It didn't feel like this was going to be a master reveal. I think, I don't know, just the fact that you could see it was a deformed person. And we've done the skeletal master thing. I'm guessing 
guessing that's not going to come round again. I don't think know. so, no. But the Skeletor Master definitely sprang to mind for me as well. I was thinking, well, is this, did he ever travel through time? Or have we traveled through time now? Are we back to that old master? Ooh, that would have been interesting. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Because there's a moment when the TARDIS is arriving through the time lash, which, by the way, Stunsville, gorgeousity. When the TARDIS is appearing in the time lash, as in when, what's his face? What is his face, by the way? Oh, Borat. When Borat sees the TARDIS, he's like, oh, I see the doctors coming back, hinting yeah. at this serial with Pertwee's doctor that never was. The fact that he recognized the TARDIS made me instantly think, okay, this is someone we've met before. And obviously I did consider the master, but yeah. Yeah, I definitely got the same kind of thing. It's like, oh, I mean, throughout a lot of this, I was questioning, should I know a previous serial that this is referencing? Yeah, and same. I looked up trivia afterwards and no, like you just said, there wasn't one, but it's kind of future retro rewrited or something in a audio. I think I saw something about. Oh, I don't know about that. I know that this was originally meant to reference the first Doctor, not the third Doctor, but I didn't oh, know that right. they'd created something afterwards. What is that? Yeah, it's, oh, it's Sarah Jane Adventures story, actually. Joe Grant mm. recounts visiting this planet with Pertwee as just a little name drop, basically. That's nice. Yeah, that's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you know who I just realized it could have been? Or if we had to rely on this being a return character... Do you remember the dude who looked like a half a Skeletor in... Which episode was it? Oh my goodness. It was a Davison story. He was dressed all in black. I think he was a henchman of the... Possibly the Black Guardian. And he had like half a skull as a cowl. Oh, I'm struggling to think about that. Mm. I'm going to find out what this was. Oh, dude, Meister. We had a couple of Phantom of the Opera characters who were hiding half their face. That's true. Not this dude. I'm going to find out. You'll be on whobackwhen.com, ladies that's exactly where i am you know it (laughs) boom found him in the armageddon factor c103 there was a dude who was a henchman of the black guardian i have now reread the b scout for c103 but to be completely honest with you i have no idea what that was about i see a skeleton face guy I don't remember this skeleton face guy. (laughs) (laughs) Because he was wearing black robes. I'm pretty sure he gets either lasered or burned or something. So there could be either a, you know, a deformity or an injury or something that you could play with. And he hates Doc after this. Yeah. I vaguely recall. It's a second in command, but where there's kind of like two levels of stuff happening as well. So he's, he's the one that's with the Black Guardian the whole time or something. Ah, yeah. I think yeah, right. anyway, yeah, yeah. Plausible. Look, this is C one zero three. That's the serial, final C-103 reference. That's the serial where there's like a Cockney Time Lord mechanic. Good stuff. Anyway, sorry. Apologies for the tangent. Dude, don't apologize for tangents. We'll spend half the podcast apologizing. <laughs> so back to the time lash. Okay. Yes. There's a stupidly prominent scene from my point of view, because I found it incredibly boring and useless, of Doc being lowered into the time lash and sitting on some big crystals and plucking off some smaller crystals. You didn't like that? I loved that. Oh, no, that was just bollocks. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was... <laughs> There was something about the way it was filmed that, I don't know, the set was really bad. Occasionally it would flip and you'd get a vignette around the screen and it felt a little bit more atmospheric. I think most of the time it just looked really studio lit. The set wasn't great and it was trying to make it all tense. It's like, oh my God, Doc's going to fall into oblivion. But I had no sense that oblivion was below him. It just, I don't know, just didn't work for me. (laughs) 
was like, in what um, direction do you fall when you fall through the yeah. tunnel? Is it like, is it just well, the, a hole? Is that what it is? This, this was, yes, this is my question. It's like every other person that went through the time lash, it felt like, like you would expect an effect. Yeah. yeah, like they they get pulled horizontally. Like the momentum that they had going into it, that's the direction they would carry on. Like that's yeah, the impression exactly. I got and the effect that they tried to do, I think. And then think Doc so. is when... able to just abseil into it. What? <laughs> yeah, like there's gravity in there, yeah. which is a little bonkers. For any theoretical relativists out there in podcast land, <laughs> or relative theorists, yeah, I'm sure that curls your brains into a pretzel. But yeah. that being said, I loved it as an idea. I love that, oh, actually, inside this whole thing, it's not at all what you think. There's a fucking cave, man. You can spelunk if you like. And because it's made of time, you just grab a couple of crystals and you can use that to make a device that makes no sense and is barely used. <laughs> and then it's so cool. It's awesome. I mean, I think if it had been treated a bit differently, I might have felt it was awesome. Like, what I would have actually quite liked is when they do the, what is it, the matte like, frame the with matte in painting? a kind of matte painting thing and oh i see yeah, yeah so if they like zoomed out or like superimposed that shot in a matte painting that was all just like black and he's just sat there in nothingness and there's just like the little doorway above him and there's nothing below you know some sense of scale of doom of the precarious nature he didn't get any of that this would be like someone standing on a plank and saying oh no i'm gonna fall into the ocean and i'm gonna get eaten by all those sharks you can't see oh no woe is me <laughs> <laughs> yeah Exactly, yeah. Worst case scenario, I'll land on some dead people in Scotland. I'm super duper happy with how this worked out, though. I gotta say, I'm so sorry. Do you know what? It gave me vibes of Time Bandits. Have you seen Time Bandits? I think I have, yes. Okay, it gave you vibes of Time Bandits. But that's a good yeah. quality film, isn't it? I mean, for... It's a great film, yeah. Probably quite a low budget, but... <laughs> Yeah, with a whole bunch of actors who I can't remember their names now. David Warner is in it. I think Sean Connery, yeah, Sean Connery is in it as well. But yeah, there's a scene in Time Bandits where they're in the, I think this is the scene I'm thinking of, where they're suspended in a gigantic cage, like a bird cage, basically. And it's just in a, either a dark tower or in just complete darkness, just like in black, in a void. Mm. And they have to suspend themselves from that further and yeah i got that kind of vibe it's great it's okay. a bit jovial okay. there's absolutely no risk involved and there are crystals how do you feel about what he does with the crystal the gizmo the, the that he device he makes yeah i mean i think what he makes is pretty damn cool this whole yeah. 10 second time delay projection thing whatever the fuck you want to call it yeah, yeah. that was really nice <laughs> and i liked the demonstration that was for sure where he pushes two of the people out the way <laughs> <laughs> Now I think about it, there's a there's a Red Dwarf episode where they do a similar thing. I wonder if they were harking back to this. Oh, nice. I think they have a time compression device and all the things they have done to them kind of catch up with them later. So people beat them up and nothing happens. And then like five minutes later, they get thrown around because they're getting punched and thrown and stuff, you know. But so it was actually done, it was in reverse. Like what we see in this one is the actions of an invisible doctor, and right. then it played out as a projection afterwards. Yeah. But I, yeah, that was really cool. The thing that bothered me, though, as cool Here as this go. device I knew there'd was, be something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is like he goes and uses it when the Borad is threatening him. So he turns it on. Yeah. This is the doctor, obviously. Uh, sorry. Turns it on, goes and explores another control panel whilst the Borad has fired his aging beam at him um, yeah. which we have to obviously talk about 
<laughs> and then wanders off again and gets, you know, doesn't get shot again. And then just stands in front of the Borad and says, oh, bet not shoot me because this devicey here will just suck it up and shoot it right back out of you. And it's like, yeah, it will. And it does. So why the fuck did he do the whole time shift thing? That was just pointless. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Wait, I love. I have no answer for you. That's you're so right. <laughs> it was uh... it was never helpful to do the time shifting, apart from that one no, thing wasn't. where he shot an android and sent it into the past, which was that was really cool. Actually, I liked that. That was we super saw this cool. Random android on fire, like just like ages before in flames. Yeah, no one talks about it for the longest time, and then yeah, yeah we get the explanation for it. I agree. That's super duper cool. But wait, hang on. How does he do that? How does he send back the android? I didn't understand that bit, to be honest. He, oh, he turned it into shit, a bonkers. Gun? Yeah, it was like a gun at one point where he could just, like, send things back in time, I guess. I don't know. That's the same crystal device, though, isn't it? I assume so. But yeah. it looked different. Like, it, he wasn't wearing it around his neck, and it, he fired it like a gun. Yeah. It was stored up energy or something. Okay, Dagnabbit. We've already hit our first no-idea moment. <laughs> <laughs> But I completely concur with you. It was so satisfying to later on find out why that happened. Yeah, it was. And I would have liked more of that. That could have been the hook of this serial is that yeah. random stuff kept happening. And then later on, you realize, oh, it's because Doc <laughs> was in the future doing all this shit. Just like randomly firing his crystal device at people. Yeah, absolutely. Also, the fact that he's invented this device, like, that's it. You've won. That's technology that you can use to basically accomplish anything you like. So now <laughs> use it all over the place. I mean, not in future <laughs> serials, but in this serial. Make that the whole thing. Ignore having to take the TARDIS out to possibly stand in the way of this incredibly powerful missile. Use that time gizmo on the Armageddon, whatever, whatever it was called. The uh, Benadryl, what was it called? You know, the apocalypse missile. The big, the big missile that was basically as big as their ship, yeah. Yeah, you have a time gizmo, use that somehow. Like, it doesn't even matter how. Okay, okay, wait. Is that the next question we need to answer? Okay, here we go. Like, how did Doc and... Herbert survive. Yep. So that is also us. one of my questions. No, yeah. we never find out. Doesn't he say to Perry, oh, don't worry about it. I'll tell you later. <laughs> and that's it. That's all the explanation that we get. But I can't remember where I read this. I think this is in the TARDIS Wikia trivia somewhere. Originally, there was a sci-fi timey-wimey explanation for it, that it hit the time energy displacement field or whatever around the TARDIS, and that neutralized the effect of the weapon. That's interesting. Because I got the impression that Doc was... Like we had had already with Nessie, it was hinted that the Borad was basically Nessie. Yeah. We don't get a hint, we get explicitly told who Herbert is. We'll come to that. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> but in that same kind of vein, I felt like Doc was saying, oh, you know how I did this. You know, it was something to do with the time delay device thing. But I just don't understand how that's an explanation. Like, I assumed that little smile on his face and, oh, I'll tell you later. Or, you know, it wasn't masking the fact that the scriptwriter didn't really know. <laughs> it was meant to be something we as the audience are trying to work out. But honestly, okay. I'm not quite sure how... <laughs> 
how it fits together. Okay, so I found a bit of trivia. So first off, a screenwriter did have an explanation for this. It says, The script gave an explanation for the destruction of the Bandrill, originally Girdle, missile. That the Benderlips, like Apocalypse, I guess, Benderlips, was neutralized via contact with the TARDIS's time field to replace it only with the Doctor's vague assurance that he will explain it to Perry later and off screen. Oh, that's not very satisfying. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, to be... Do you mean like the original explanation? Because that, to me, is actually not particularly satisfying. Oh, yeah, TARDIS. That's why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. like we have a new device. Yes, it's still just manipulating time like the TARDIS can do. But we've seen it like doing projections and delaying effects of things and or delaying the visual effects of things. I don't know. But you can surely work that into the plot line. So yeah. he does something with point. the TARDIS and that device. Yeah, like you can still put him into a place of danger, like everything has to kind of click into place. But that's the reason that they don't get blown up is because he managed to do something with that little time device and the TARDIS, I don't know, went out of phase, but took the missile with it. And then the TARDIS came back to where it was and the missile went off somewhere else. Or I don't know. Dude, this is good stuff. Where were you when Glenn McCoy was penning this script? I don't know if this is relevant, but I read somewhere, Todd's Wiki or IMDb, that there was an issue with the duration of these two episodes. One was too long, one was too short. It's also possible that at this point, the story was just running long. And wanting to add anything like that, that just adds another three minutes of airtime or whatever. That's three minutes that we don't have. We don't want to yeah, sacrifice okay. a single second with the Morlocks. <laughs> We've got to keep it. So, yeah, there you have it. I'll tell you later. How do you feel about the Morlocks? Are we talking about the way they look or the name? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah. I must admit, I'm writing things. It's been a long time since I read The Time Machine. But Morlocks are the creatures in The Time Machine. Yes, That's absolutely. Yeah. Which is what I originally thought of when the name was said. And I think I actually wrote, like, oh, for fuck's sake, you can't just call them Morlocks. <laughs> and then later on, it's revealed yeah. why they can, which is actually kind of nice. It's just annoying that it pissed me off in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> that's Oh, that's awesome. I think you might just be a slightly more cynical person than I am. I just assumed, wait, the same Morlocks as in the time machine are here. <laughs> like, we're going to find out that there are weird like, cave-dwelling ape men or whatever they are, monster men uh, yeah. in the caves. It didn't even dawn on me that it could just be an inspiration. The name might be heard somewhere in the background and that then inspires Herbert. But it did lead me to realize Herbert was H.G. Wells. Even though, full confession, had no idea the H in H.G. Wells stood for Herbert. Absolutely none whatsoever. Did you see it coming? No, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, didn't know the H stood for Herbert. Was pleasantly surprised at the reveal, which was nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Did you like the look of the Morlocks, though? No. In simple terms, I thought they were pretty terrible. Oh, I mean, that's all right. Maybe if they were just briefly shown statically, like the actual design of it was okay, but I don't think anyone thought about how they were going to make this thing move. And it's just like a wobbly, not even limped slate, like a half erect snake, <laughs> like just kind of wobbling across <laughs> the screen. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> a <Yeah>. semi snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a little silly when it's approaching Perry and it's constantly half a meter in front of her face, oh, God, just kind yeah. of 
bobbing up and down and just practically incapable of interacting with her or acting more, you know, in a more versatile manner. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what? Hats off, Perry. She is acting the heck out of that scene. <laughs> True. You know, whenever they make newfangled CGI-based movies nowadays and actors have to act opposites like a tennis ball on a stick. Tennis ball on a stick, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, imagine that. But that's the actual final print. Like, it's never (laughs) going to be replaced by anything. You're always going to be acting against a tennis ball. (laughs) That takes some talent. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, fair enough. (laughs) But that whole thing where it's just, what, two feet away from her the entire time, it's just... It's like that scene in Monty Python's The Holy Grail where is it Lancelot who's like charging over the hill towards Love that scene. The two guards and it's just like it's he never gets any closer, never gets any closer, never gets any closer, and suddenly he's just there. <laughs> it's like that. It's like what's happening? Like is this threatening? I don't know. Like it's right in front of me, but it's just love wobbling it. around. <laughs> Absolutely love it. <laughs> Do you have any more big questions or should we go into talking about some of the characters, perhaps? I'm happy to move on to characters. Okay. How about, as we've mentioned him already, and we definitely need to talk about him. Oh, here we go, Herbie. Herbie. (laughs) (laughs) I I think think you should talk about Herbie first. I think you've got a little bit of a crush on Herbie. (laughs) I might really like Herbert. All right, go on though. What do you like about Herbert? I don't actually know. <laughs> Genuinely, I think I have a note at some point where it's just like, why do I like Herbert so much? I think he was just really, really wholesome. And I don't know, just actually quite competent, really yeah. gung-ho about stuff. Like, it had that kind of Mr. Magoo character, but in a younger package, as it were. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with the character of Herbert. My beef is really with perhaps the acting. <laughs> no, Just I won't hear it. A little it. bit to be desired. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know who played him. But I, yeah, no, Herbert has some fantastically good bits. In the beginning, when he's absolutely convinced that, what's her name? Bina? Vina, Bina. I've got to damn this Bina, Bina yeah. Maya. Sometimes that she is a specter from the other side, because <laughs> he's fiddling around with his Ouija board. Yeah, tries to exorcise the doctor. There are some really, yeah. really fun bits there. Definitely, and the fact he manages to stow away is at least twice on the TARDIS, maybe three times. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I have serious questions on how he managed to achieve that. To be honest, I'm pretty sure yeah, two times. It's literally yeah. Doc Perry door closes <laughs> it's like wait no how the fuck did herbert get in here this is just ridiculous <laughs> i think it works i think it works super duper well what's the john carter of mars situation does that involve john carter ever going back to earth and writing about his adventures on mars is that how the book quote-unquote is written wait what are you referencing i don't know this do you know john carter john carter of mars it's by uh, what's his name who wrote tarzan they made a film of it as well which is i think just called carter this has slipped me by i'm sorry i do not know this reference that's right 
it's another one of these sort of classic sci-fi stories. Dude is somehow transported to Mars, gets embroiled in a weird war, has to fight on the side of the rebels, blah, blah, blah. Does his whole yeah. shtick, and I'm pretty sure returns to Earth and then writes a story that is based on it. And that's the story that is published in the book that you just read. Right, when you get to the yeah. end of it, it's like, oh, okay. I'm pretty sure that's how it is. And I wonder, is there a little bit of a thing there? You know, also how many of Wells' stories are being inspired here? Yeah, I'm not sure, really. I don't know so in the all his material trivia, that well. I don't really know his stuff that well either. But in the trivia, I found the following little nugget. This serial makes several references to H.G. Wells' novels, The Time Machine, The War of the Worlds, The Invisible Man, and The Island of Dr. Moreau. And yeah, like up to the gills, yes. I don't know Island of Dr. Moreau beyond just like, I think, cultural references. So I guess that's just the genetic splicing aspect. Yeah, exactly. Mixing humans with animals. Yeah. And we do get that scene of Herbert watching Borat and Doc in their face-off. He's like in a vent or something. So he is aware of the genetic splicing there. Oh, I see. Oh, yes, of course, because Herbert has to know about all these things and isn't present all the time. Yes, yes, no good. They, exactly. So somehow he has now happen. been inspired yeah, yeah. to write that as well. The Invisible Man could be when Doc projects himself 10 seconds into the future. And uh, Yeah, I guess. I mean, I feel like that's a little bit tenuous. <laughs> it's just Yeah, like, that's probably true. I think... Even before someone had written about an invisible man, I could imagine an invisible man and what yeah, that would okay. be. Yeah, that okay, that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. War of the Worlds, I guess, kind of speaks for itself. Time Machine certainly also speaks for itself. Wait, help me out. I don't know the War of the Worlds that well. War of the Worlds, uh, alien tripod creatures attack the Earth all of a sudden, trying to kill us all pretty sure they're killed off by the common cold. I've not actually read it or heard the original radio play, although I now have the original radio play. Brackets, thank you, Peter Zunich. And I need to listen to it. Yeah, okay, so maybe not. But at the very least, there are alien factions at war. There is an alien force arriving, trying to exterminate all life on the planets. Is it called? Yeah. Carfor? Carfell? Carf, car, yeah. Caramel. Yes. Yeah, like caramel. That. Yeah. Caramel. Caramel as our American friends would say. <laughs> you know who you are. Yeah, I'm not quite sure about the War of the Worlds references, to be honest. No, none of the big pit, picture things that I'm aware of. I, mean, I think I've seen one of the shitty modern films. I might have seen some other stuff. I can't think of obvious angles. Maybe I'm just being dumb. Either way, I think the... If I return to the Invisible Man thing... I yeah. reckon it's reverse engineered from the fact that they have H.G. Wells in this. So what we said before about like, oh, well, you've got this time gizmo, you can project yourself in time, like maybe use it a bit more and use it more interestingly. Maybe they didn't necessarily have a plan for that, but what they did count on was they were going to have H.G. Wells. So now let's bake in a whole bunch of stuff that references H.G. Wells stories. And one of those is the Invisible Man. So let's just like think of an excuse that will make Doc invisible for 10 seconds. And that's it. That's all you need. I mean, I fully believe that could have been the case. That doesn't make it good. <laughs> Fine. Okay. That, that Either way, you know what? Went... I think you've turned me around on <laughs> Herbert. <laughs> oh, really? I feel like I didn't really sell it. Well, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, yeah. He has a lot of heart, certainly. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I don't think you need to know if he's going to do anything. But every scene he's in, he's trying to help or he's trying to go along for the ride because he wants to see stuff and experience stuff. Like, he like he would be as annoying as fuck as a permanent companion. Don't get me wrong. Oh, my God, yeah. 
Yeah, I never want to see this guy again. <laughs> <laughs> and I pretty much agree with you. Like, for this serial, yeah. he is perfectly manageable <laughs> any longer. And he would, yeah, he would just totally get on my nerves. But I think Completely he, took, agree. he took the things that we always say we like about companions. And it was just yeah. like condensed and intensified for a couple of episodes, I think. You know how in the beginning he thinks that she's a ghost and he tries to exorcise yeah. Doc because he thinks Doc's a demon? Wouldn't it be great if at the end of the serial he hadn't learned a thing and he thought he had just been to the afterlife? No, that would be terrible. <laughs> I'm going to go back home and I'm going to tell the world that there are such things as friendly ghosts and everyone just looks at each other going like, what the flip is this guy on about? <laughs> Oh, it turns out he's whoever wrote Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> yes. Yes. That would be so good. Okay, dude, I've got more questions for you. Shoot. Does Perry get her amulet back? I'm guessing no. I'm also guessing no. She seemed pretty intent on getting it back because it's a... Is it like a family heirloom or whatever? I mean, either way, it has sentimental value to her. I'm almost certain that we are going to see her wearing it again in the future. I can't remember what she said. I know she said it was a St. Christopher. Did she say it had particular, like, emotional relevance? Oh, maybe I'm just attributing that. Either way, let's keep an eye out for that amulet. And if she wears it, either that means that they went shopping for a new amulet, or Doc has a bunch of spare amulets in the TARDIS, or continuity mistake. <laughs> yeah. I found a bit in the transcript, actually. And she's just, yeah, like, hey, that's mine. And I'm more concerned about losing my St. Christopher. I don't think she says anything about sentimental value. It's just, oh, it's enough. a necklace that gets stolen from her. Okay, yeah, fair enough. By and, the android. Yeah, How did you feel about the android? Tell me everything in minute <laughs> detail. I think I liked most things about the android. I did not like the android voice. Oh, what would you like the android voice to sound like? Just More robotic? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's face it. This serial then establishes that there's a literal figurehead to the running of this planet. The Borad is using a different android who's just old man, and that... Yeah, like, with I a know, brain there seems implant to be, of some sort. Yeah, there's something going on there where the Borad can just use it as a mouthpiece, I suppose, so maybe there's something weird. I know, but it's this idea that you can make an android that looks that much like a human, is autonomous to the point where it's not receiving instructions, it's just doing stuff, and it's given orders as if it was a human, like, and un understands them. I think it even smiles at one point after I was being given say one yeah. particular order. And with all of this complexity in this robot, and they can't have it with a normal sounding voice, it's just, ah, no, it's a little pet peeve of mine. <laughs> uh, fair, yeah. You are right, it does smile, and it's when Borat tells it to leave Perry alive, right? Oh, yes, I think it is that. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Like, wait, 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 you're not about. wait, why, why are you showing emotions right now? <laughs> is he actually just like a really creepy guy pretending to be a soulless android? Very strange, I thought. It would track, actually. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of creepy shit, I mean, it's pretty horrible what Borat's plan for Perry is. Yes. This whole serial is not nice to Perry, let's face it. No, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, you're right. Do you want to elaborate? Well, I mean, does she spend any time in the second episode not 
running away or literally chained up and about to be mated with or whatever the fuck it melded you know turned into a a... more like human hybrid and then mated with i mean like no and through half of this as well doc has basically it seems given up on i mean not not given up on her because i think he says something to the effect of if she's still alive i think talking to her but she'll manage to get you home somehow but doc isn't trying to help her doc's just going oh yeah perry off in the caves, I'm sure she'll be fine. It's like, no, no, she won't. It's only because the budget for the dragon monster doesn't stretch further than two meters, so it can't actually get close <laughs> enough to the pole that she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I wonder when it was written. As in, uh, I mean, even she says, I can't remember, what's her name? What's the actor's name? Who plays Perry? Yeah. Nicola Bryant, I think. Nicola Bryant, thank you. Yes. Even she said this felt like a step back for the character. And yeah, of course it does. Absolutely it does. Yeah. So I wonder if it was written not in succession with the prior ones, or, you know, after the prior ones, but rather, you know, as a standalone story sometime earlier, or maybe at least it was hashed out sometime before when Perry was still just a damsel in distress, or that was the only kind of direction given to the writer. And then, yeah, consequently, we have this kind of story. I mean, I guess the way they sometimes pick up old serials or, you know, ideas from things that have been pushed to the side. Maybe it wasn't even written for Perry. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, this is another story that has had a whole bunch of stuff changing it. So we said before, it wasn't meant to be the third Doctor. It was meant to be the first Doctor who had been there before with Ian and Babs. Changed to third Doctor and Joe. Then at one point, this was meant to be a Dalek story. It was pitched with Daleks in it. Declined or rejected and the scriptwriter was asked to take the Daleks out of it. That's why we have it the way it looks now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, my stunned silence there isn't going to come across in a podcast. Apologies. I should react with my voice. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, this story was originally submitted as a Dalek adventure. It was rejected, but Eric Sword asked author Glenn McCoy to resubmit it without them. Quote. I just don't. I don't understand how any of this would work. No. Where are the Daleks? Who's the Dalek? <laughs> Is yeah. Borat a Dalek? If you have Daleks in there, something else has got to give. <laughs> Or it's a super complex story. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, okay, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, uh, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, dot, dot, dot. It's very clear that this is not treating Perry very well. It doesn't, I mean, it's not very moving forward for the female protagonist, that's for sure. I mean, I literally eye-rolled when she gets caught by the one guard that's always trying to get her. And it's like the neck brace manacle thing. And she's just being pulled around like she's a dog. And I don't know, I couldn't help but think, you know, they would not have done that to a male companion. Well, they definitely wouldn't do it to the doctor. Like, that would seem just really demeaning. I mean, she is prized by Borat because of her beauty. And then he wants to, I guess, either in his eyes, make her even more beautiful by turning her into a half Morlock, or at the very least, more genetically compatible with himself by doing so. But that kind of opens up a a different theme here. There is a there's an ongoing theme throughout this entire serial of superficial beauty. It's like a whole subplot of it, where even when Borat is addressed by the Doctor, the Doctor also goes like, you're ugly. You're just mean because you're ugly. Yeah. Like, wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> Surely that's not what this is about. Oh, fuck, it is. Right, gotcha. Yeah. There are lots of people who judge him because of his appearance 
and he might also be judging himself because of his appearance. He won't allow mirrors or anything reflective in the city because he doesn't like the way he looks. And like Everyone's basically just judged based on their appearance. Yeah, and isn't this exactly what we had with one of the Phantoms of the Opera? I forget. Ooh! exactly the setup but i'm sure it was this thing about looks and that was almost like the motivation for why he was evil is because everyone i think you're right yeah the dude who was wearing a phantom of the opera mask and you took it off and oh yeah sure so he's scars scars. (laughs) it's like oh my god i'm so hideous yeah that's that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to anyone oh my god you're not even a human anymore because i don't like the way you look (laughs) yeah yeah there are some bad messages being conveyed here yeah exactly a it's terrible messaging to have in a doctor who serial b you've already done it before so it's doubly terrible and c the real kicker for me was that doc is literally still saying this stuff to make the borad cower away towards the time lash and then doc just pushes him in yeah doc he does that by showing him a mirror by the way. he's like yeah asshole. i've got a mirror. yeah oh, yeah yeah <laughs> Like, Christ. <laughs> Which I thought was I absolute nonsense as well. Like, the mirror thing. How do you mean? Because oh, what, earlier, what about it was nonsense? he uses the mirror on the Android earlier to create yes. a scuffle. All reflective surfaces abandon the society. This society right. where the Borad has never been seen because all they see is the projection of the old guy on the TV. Yep. has banned mirrors. That's right. It's For like, no reason what? whatsoever. <laughs> So, yeah, I thought there was going to be some wibbly-wobbly science about mirrors and, I don't know, the atmosphere or something. Or the technology used to power the androids doesn't work if there's a mirror nearby, you know. But no, it seems to be just that this guy is horrified by his appearance and it's used against him as a weapon. That's which right. Is horrible. <laughs> we, yeah, uh, it's also used as a weapon against the android and that prompted what was going to be a question for you, another introductory question, but halfway through writing it, I figured out the answer. I wrote... Can we talk about mirrors? Has Borat outlawed mirrors because he feels unattractive? But why then does the android go berserk when he sees the mirror? Oh, wait, I just thought of an answer to that. The robot has orders to destroy everything shiny. Done. And I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, Do we see that order or we just understand that's an ongoing thing? I think that's just the sort of unspoken truth. That's why he takes the amulet. The St. Christopher oh, Amulet, because yeah, it's shiny. Yeah. So he's like, oh, no, you can't have something shiny. Those are my orders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, you're right. It is established. It's just it's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, and I'm not on board with it. <laughs> no. Like, if we're okay to move on, I feel like... Yeah, 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 go for it. We're happily establishing this is really shitty <laughs> with this serial and the writing part. Absolutely. So the other thing is, right, the motivation of the Borad, or like the end game for the Borad, is kill every human, humanoid, whatever. Yeah. Just have the Morlocks survive. Then I'm going to turn the Morlocks somehow into creatures like me, or I don't know. Or was it just leave the Morlocks alone, but I'm going to use them with my mate to procreate? I think just like, I don't know. Leave them alone, and it'll be just me and Perry. I think that's his plan. He wants to kill everyone, potentially everyone who isn't deformed. Like, that might be part of the shtick. Everyone who looks like a genetically untampered with Carrefour person should die. Basically human. I mean, they are humans. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Split a hair. Yeah, so it's the standard bender kill all humans plotline. Fine. But then, if that's (laughs) the idea... Why Why is he ruling the humans? And then it seems the most elaborate... And what? No, there's like 500 of them it's established. Although then, then right. they're worrying about millions being killed or something. Blah, blah, blah. Hand wave. 
But, like, there are 500 of them. He claims he's really strong. He's got a gun that can just age anything in front of it. He Yeah, every time he does that, he destroys a 500th of his population. <laughs> well, yeah. wait, wait, wait. <laughs> cool your boots, buddy. <laughs> he's got, I think we probably see, at least we can probably save four androids. Because I think we see a couple get destroyed. And I think there are some quick scene changes where it looks like there are androids in multiple rooms at once sort of thing. So he has yeah. he has a number of androids under his control. Like, sure. I'm just not convinced he has to have this elaborate plan of getting a warring, or, or rather, a neighboring nation to get pissed off because he didn't give them grain to then fire a rocket at his homeland. It's like, no, just I mean, this kill is a dude all. who's invented a time machine as well. Like the... Yeah, he's knocked up that aging beam thing, which he claims can kill time lords by the way and he's just oh yeah i mean it would he just can't be asked to kill 500 humans i mean dude just get your hands dirty <laughs> you'd be over in like an hour I reckon he's just waiting for someone who is pretty enough to merge with a lizard. I think that's that's his whole thing. He's just really picky. That's it. This is the whole yeah, thing. That's right. Why does he need to invent a time machine? No, no reason. Why does he need to do... Why does he command... Is it the old mailing to divert all the electricity from the hospital and for everywhere in the city to somewhere like what's the purpose of that i have no idea is he meant to be working on some technology still that we never see realized like something about helping to repopulate was it's just him and Perry? I don't know. Because the well, Perry stuff is all an interesting question. That's a very interesting question because another bit of trivia that I read was that at a certain point he was to abandon his plan to mate with Perry because he was actually able to clone himself indefinitely. And so potentially oh, right, yeah. the plan then would be, all right, everyone dies, including Perry, and then I just have a planet populated by lizards and copies of me. That's it. <laughs> wow. What a fun yeah. time. That'll be a great party. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It just seems so muddled. I mean, that's, that's part of the reason at the start I was saying, like, we're not going to find answers in this serial. It's just such nonsense. There are loose ends all over the place. There are plots that cross over. There are plots that yeah. just don't make sense. And yeah, <laughs> it's still entertaining, though. That's the thing. I think I did enjoy watching this. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. We started on other characters. Any other characters we haven't touched on yet that you'd like to talk about? We could briefly go through the Carfellian people, because honestly, they mostly were nondescript people for me. But there are a couple of standouts, I think. I think, uh, was he called Tekka? The That's guy that right. becomes the evil Marlin. I quite enjoyed so him. So good. <laughs> yeah. so good oh my goodness he's amazing he's like basically carrying this entire serial <laughs> yeah he's pretty cold as in places and that was very enjoyable he's not just ott he's like you need to add more t's at the end of it <laughs> it's so incredibly good <laughs> i want more of him i want this to be just him actually screw everyone that's the guy i want <laughs> <laughs> That's Paul There's, Darrow, um, who was also in Blake 7. Which one is Paul Darrow? This is this guy. That's him. Yes, yeah. Uh, was also in Doctor Who and the Silurians, apparently. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I made a note of that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Captain Hawkins, he played in Doctor Who and the Silurians. Captain Hawkins. Also, there's some trivia where Darrow said that John Nathan Turner was initially unhappy with his performance, but then I think he goes back and says that later on Nathan Turner praised him, saying, well, this is a quote from Wikipedia. (laughs) 
I don't know where it's quoting from or whether it's accurate, but it says, you were absolutely right to do it that way. The script wasn't that good and you made something of it. <laughs> nice. Oh, well done. Flipping well done. Bravo, Paul Darrow. The other thing was he apparently based his performance on Richard III. Yeah. Yeah. So originally he was told, play it exactly like your character in, I was going to say Babylon 5, in Blake 7. And he was like, screw you. No, I'm not. <laughs> and he just did a Richard III. Oh, good. Dicky yeah. 3. <laughs> That would be really shit, because I feel like there was probably a lot of crossover of viewers between Blake 7 and Doctor Who of this time. I'm I sure, guess. yeah. There's another Blake 7 trivia point here that I had absolutely no idea about, slash no recollection of. I, I mean, I should say, I've pretty much forgotten everything about Blake 7, so I should rewatch that at some point. So here's another bit of trivia. When playing the role of Tekka, Paul Darrow purposely exaggerated his performance as a way of retaliation against Colin Baker's similar portrayal of Baben the Butcher in Blake 7, City at the Edge of the World from 1980. Darrow oh, stated wow. that he felt undermined by Baker's bombastic acting on that episode. <laughs> oh, How man. badass is I, that? I might have to watch that. Right? <laughs> because, I mean, if we want to segue, Colin Baker, oh my god, he's a dude. Like, he's, oh, this, yeah. this is a serial that's all over the shop, but every scene he's in, like, even if he's delivering the most garbage anyone has ever written, he's so fun to watch. <laughs> he's such good television. Yeah. He's always good value. Like, even that scene where he's being the absolute asshole to the Borad. I mean, the Borad's obviously an evil guy who shouldn't be let off the hook, but, you know, he's just saying, oh, you're ugly, no one's gonna like you. Yeah, you're shit. Everyone go na-na-na-na at the Borad. Even in that, he was really good. <laughs> yeah, a bajillion percent agree with you. And it's also just dawned on me that you could argue he's only playing Borat's card right back at him. Like, it might be that the Doctor doesn't feel this way himself, but he's only saying those things because he knows that's what's going to have an effect on Borat. I mean, I get yeah, that's what they're trying to do. It just fe feels really cruel. And for the Doctor of all characters oh, to be yeah. doing Agreed. it, it's just... Yeah. yeah, it's uncool. But there are so many scenes where, I don't know, the, I think the dialogue was feeding nicely into how Baker portrays the sixth Doctor. I think it was early on where he would just like, bad, bad, and then walked around Perry and then just shouted at her, bad! <laughs> it was just <laughs> ridiculous, but so much fun. <laughs> That's so good. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So what other characters do we get? We have the original Mailing's daughter. This is Vina, yeah? Yes, that's on it. Yes, thank you. Exactly. Yeah, she was there. <laughs> I don't know if I have much to add about her. Not really that much either, to be honest. Okay, we've got... Hang on. I made a some sort Mycros. of cross about him. Oh, who's Micros? He's the to-be son-in-law who ends up mailing at the end. Okay, yeah. There's that who dude. Also there. He's also... He's in this. <laughs> yeah, I think we can yeah. agree. He was in the I, serial. <laughs> I definitely saw him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He was no, played by an actual actor and captured on actual film. <laughs> yeah. I think he actually did a reasonable job. I think oh. I was I was intrigued by that character to start with. I think a bit of the whole kind of rebellion of Carfold, I think it just kind of fell to the wayside. And so when these characters come back at the end and are kind of trying to save the day, it's like, who are you? Oh, right. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I can exemplify that with a question. Is he the same guy as Gazak or is that a different person? Who's Gazak? <laughs> hey, all right. So I've clearly gotten this wrong. I just so incredibly clearly. I 
I like I looked up the transcript at one point to try and write down people's names, and they had even said people's names at this point, but I just hadn't quite registered. And then I read the transcript and wrote down the wrong names. That's how memorable people were. <laughs> I read things I had just watched delivered by these actors and said, oh, well, you must be that person and you must be that person. And it's like, no, I've just written down the gotcha. names of the most irrelevant characters rather than like the main guy of, oh, at that point, it was Micros and, oh, what was the, the first mailing called? Oh, I wrote him down. Micros, yeah, there he is. Eric Deacon played Micros. I don't remember that dude at all. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Gazak. I'm on the IMDb page now, and Gazak is played by Stephen McIntosh, whom you'll recognize as Winston of Chill Winston fame. What? <laughs> Chill Winston. I can't do the voice. <laughs> he I, was in Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Okay. Okay. It was in Lockstock. Yeah, I, rec- I do recognize it, yeah, yeah. but I just can't think. <laughs> that kind of thing yeah i think the first malin might have been called renis i'm not sure so that's the dad of reina vena vena that's it malin renis neil hallett whom oh who was in two episodes of jeeves and worcester he was in an episode of the chinese detective never heard of that he was in two episodes of airline never heard of that etc (laughs) etc Holy moly, this is a massive, massive list on IMDb. This is like clearly a character actor who has just been in everything. It's redonkulous. His first role was in 1952. Wait, the first role was in 1952? And then when was the last role? I'm going to find out by opening the tab again. 1990, Jeeves and Worcester. Then he retired. Nice. He was born in 1924. who, Who was Gazak then? Because I recognize Steve McIntosh. Or Steven yeah, McIntosh. so I think Gazak I is the dude. I think you were thinking of Gazak. Gazak is there at the end when they're talking about the Bandrels, whom I cannot believe I'm saying this, we still have not talked about. Gazak, no, Gazak is in, he's one of the young ones right at the start who gets killed. Oh, is he? Yeah. Is he? Hang on, I'm Googling Gazak. That makes more sense. Because Stephen McIntosh isn't very old. Oh my goodness, that is him. Oh, I did not recognize that at all. All right, fine. Okay, so hang on. Mike, what was his name? Micros? Micros? Micros, maybe? I don't know. Micros? Sounds Greek. Oh yeah, you're right. That is the guy. I'm sorry, you were totally right. (laughs) (laughs) Played by Eric Deacon, who was born in Oxford. Yeah, well, Chill Winston was born in Cambridge. So they're (laughs) both represented. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this is a... This feels like not that interesting trivia anymore. Yeah, and this is we're the talking most about characters. Heavy. <laughs> we we can't even really remember. <laughs> they were just there. Fun fact: Did you know that Micros wore a happy? I JK, did not know. No, absolutely not. I mean, might have. What? I don't know. <laughs> Just thinking of more tangents we could pop in here. Can we talk about the Bandrel, the Bandrel ambassador? Because does that <laughs> does that prop not get you absolutely wet and throbbing? Is that not just the most amazing alien you have ever seen? I mean, it just looked like a pink cobra to me. I'm not sure what you were thinking. <laughs> right? Yeah, there's absolute yeah, yeah. Pink cobra. Mm. What a euphemism. That's exactly <laughs> Someone on the side going, if you pan back, the Bendral ambassador is actually speaking from inside a wicker basket. 
Oh, God, yeah. Oh, and right, I'm going to have another spritz. This is good stuff, it, man. <laughs> I've forgotten what Alpha Centauri t- sounds like, but I feel like it wasn't dissimilar to these Bendril. Amb- yeah, they're both the, quite the, squeaky, the aren't they? Ambassador, at least. Yeah, I mean, why are we going with squeaky can- voices for aliens? Why is this becoming Yeah, can we rank or, these in or, order of or squeakiness? Robots. Yeah, you're going, yeah, you're going Android, Wicker Basket, <laughs> Wicker Basket Penis. <laughs> And you've got giant penis head from <laughs> Alpha Centauri. What are those? <laughs> I don't know if I could put them in squeakiness order, to be honest. <laughs> Alpha Centauri, definitely the squeakiest. Oh, you think? I was. Yeah, I think so. Maybe I'm misremembering it. I was thinking that was actually more middling. I wasn't sure if oh. the Android was the squeakiest. Oh, that's interesting. Podcast land, let us know your thoughts. <laughs> Pop a comment on the website. <laughs> I want to see a squeakiness index, <laughs> not just these, rank all the aliens and who in the verse based on the squeakiness of their voice. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you till lunchtime on Sunday. It's <laughs> <laughs> <So> your homework. <laughs> oh. Wait, no. Oh, this drops good on stuff, Sunday. Man. You, yeah, that gives you a week. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Jesus. I've run out By of the way, I love the Bandrel Ambassador. Way. You love the Bandrel Ambassador. I'm, yeah. I think, back into the, yeah, it was there territory. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I really struggled to understand how this was the plot, like why this other race was involved at all. <laughs> I mean, if they wanted to cut something, I cut mean, that. this is exhibit A, like, <laughs> this eats up valuable yeah, time because you have so much to establish. And then if you cut it, actually, you know what? You don't lose anything. <laughs> That's absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, it would have, yeah, been a massive rewrite. But even if you didn't have all the conversations with the ambassador, if you just established that this race is pissed off because you haven't given them grain and suddenly a missile comes over, that probably still would have worked. Also, is that the appropriate reaction? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> You've still got my DVD. I'm going to send a bloody nuclear missile at you. Uh, yeah, I'm going to destroy your entire civilization. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm, cool your boots, buddy. I mean, we have just recently in the news had one bully nation go, we're going to take your grain and we have nukes. And here we have like, oh, no, this isn't better. This is not, no. I mean, if you substitute grain for oil, then a lot of this stuff kind of happens. <laughs> yes, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, effectively, this is exactly it, isn't it? It's like, oh, Oh, no, we're going in. Regime change. <laughs> but in this case, have yeah. a dialogue. I mean, the wiping out of civilization. That's, yeah, it's pretty sick. Yeah. I mean, somehow the Bandrels come out of this serial morally superior. Do they? <laughs> Do they not? They're like, we're really sorry. We've already pressed fire, but we're super happy to have diplomatic relations with you. It's like, uh, wait. <laughs> wait, buddy. <laughs> That's not... <laughs> no. <laughs> How about you go get your grain elsewhere? <laughs> yeah. I can, no, I think you're right, probably. I think we are meant to think they were just pushed to their limits and there's nothing else they could do. And now they are full of regret and just want the peaceful solution. But yeah, I'm not buying it. That's for sure. <laughs> they, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> they're not people you want to be making grain deals with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. So I don't know about you, dude. What do you feel like? You ready to rate this? Ooh, I, yes. Yes, I would be. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Do you know what else, though? Do you know what else I think? He thinks with the movement of his finger towards the tip of his nose. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is right. Well played, sir. Well played. Thank you. Okay, right. What do I think about this? 
I've got some, yeah, just kind of thumbs up, thumbs downs. I'm going to try and whistle through, not warble quite as much as I normally do. Thumbs up, a tiny detail, but we actually getting the vague hint that we are establishing that Perry is a budding botanist. Like, I think there was That's a previous right. yeah, you're serial right. where it just randomly came up. Is like, wait, why does Perry know about botany or whatever? Second time it's mentioned, can now say it's a thing. Tick, positive, character development, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Unfortunately, though, there's then a thumbs down of pretty much everything else that happens to Perry. And also yeah. that her her stuttering is back in this serial. And it's, yeah, it's still pretty bad. Which is a shame. Yeah, that's the one. Sorry. Thumbs up, though. We have pretty much everything that Colin Baker touches because, dude, he's just legend. A little snippet of this for you to think over was when Doc just casually steps aside as Herbert tries to exercise him with a book and Colin Breaker just doesn't <laughs> doesn't skip a beat. He's still delivering his dialogue, just makes it cool, smooth, just yeah, That's wonderful. That's so good. Yeah. But there is a th- thumbs down here. We talked about the, the asshole level of the Doc taunting Borad. He's also quite short with Perry on a few occasions. I yeah. think it's mostly hidden under the guise of he's trying to protect her. I think he's kind of turning into a bit of a father figure and like protective and it's like, I'm doing it for your own good type thing, which is not cool because it's robbing her of agency and all this stuff. Mm. So it's, yeah, slight thumbs down. But I just love watching Colin Baker being the sixth doctor. It's great. Another thumbs up. Oh, agreed. Marlon Tecker. Yeah. Love watching that guy as well. Cold skin. Scheming, a little bit wavering on what his motivation is on some points, but I guess just, you know, power grab, whatever. And the perfect level of hammy acting. It was just, oh, yeah. yeah, very enjoyable. Another thumbs up for, oh, sweet, sweet Herbert. I did like him. <laughs> like, maybe just one scene more and I would have hated him and it would have tainted everything he had been in, possibly. I don't know, but this was just the right amount of Herbert. And yeah, I could, I could enjoy what we had, that's for sure. But then we get into a few, finishing with a few thumbs down. Most of the plots. <laughs> it's a thumbs down. Certainly the whole motivation <laughs> of the Borad and this weird extravagant length to wipe out this population when he seems incredibly powerful and probably could have just done it on his own because there's only like 12 of them. But yeah, whatever. The two instances we have of terrible snake-like creatures, one being the monster of the week, the other being the other alien of the week. And yeah, neither of them were particularly great and unfortunately appeared on our screens for quite a long time in this serial. Yeah, agree to disagree. <laughs> I'm sure you will do every mention of a cheap looking <laughs> creature. <laughs> anyway, and the final thumbs down I have written is just how forgettable everyone else is. I imagine there'll be some bit of trivia in the future we'll stumble across is like, this person also appeared in Time Lash and we'll be like, who? And that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be that kind of thing. Okay, a number. So I did enjoy this. It's still mm-hmm. quite terrible. Those things okay. balance out quite nicely. So the number goes nicely in the middle, slightly above center, 2.6. 2.6. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> oh, good stuff, man. Very good stuff. I mean, I disagree with a whole bunch of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Come on then, tell me how it really is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if it's how it really is, but I'll tell you what I think. And I'll, okay, you know what? I'll keep my notes on Doc and Perry very brief, as I think that's actually something that I think we're in complete agreement on in both cases. Like, suffice to say, he's fantastic and she is underused and unnecessarily sidelined. Side note, I'm not sure, but I think this might be yet another cat brooch. This time, horseshoe shaped black cat. Oh, yeah. I am instantly starting to spot them now, you pointed it out. And 
Yeah. Every time that I see it, I'm like, oh, cat brooch. And then I forget to write it down. <laughs> I bet you, you can eBay the whole lot. Like you could oh, probably sure. just go, I want every single Colin Baker cat brooch done. <laughs> Someone's got replicas on standby. Other, I've kind of listed him as a companion. So Herbert, yeah. I mean, ultimately I am, I'm happy that he was part of this too. The, the acting maybe failed on a few occasions for me, but it's not a failing of the character. And it's not a problem as such with the performance. I like Herbert. On the foe side, sure, Borat is a half-lizard megalomaniac in charge of pretty much nothing, wasting time travel tech, and a gun inspired by that chicken emitter in City of Death. But the real foe here is Tekka. Such an over-the-top chap. Never has a character had so much character. Most people <laughs> depart with a scream and unpleasant <laughs> journey <laughs> and placeholder for any other amazing line of his that I can't think of right now. Love that dude. Two bits. Oh, hang on. Wait. One thing about Borat, though. I cannot believe that we did not talk about his relentless vord sitting. Not one single person who enters Borat's office <laughs> can see him blatantly sitting in his swivel chair. It's like, what are you doing, guys? He's right there. He just turned his back to you. Object <laughs> permanence, you utter morons. Oof. Okay. Like people are just used to like discarding a jacket over the back of a chair, and it's just like, oh, it's fine. Yeah, oh, yes, it's a that's black fine. Cloak. It's just a two-legged lizard jacket (laughs) 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 pretending to not see me Yeah, I mean, uh, wow, I can't believe we didn't talk about that. Something else we didn't talk about much was production value. And yikes caramba, this serial has it in spades. Here's a bullet point list I made. Stunning exterior miniature, gorgeous time lash external prop and interior set, my opinion anyway. Safety belts in the TARDIS, although, frankly, they can suck it. The Blue Man group, the Morlock creature effects, the Bandrel spaceships, fake Borat chap with a brain implant. <laughs> and, oh my god, that build your own laser cannon that comes in little bits. It's so, so good. Yeah. Greatest asset. So many good ideas. Biggest flaw. Too many ideas. (laughs) Main takeaway. Despite its myriad flaws, I enjoyed this serial. Quote, with the power of a giant ocean. And I've given this a rating of 3.4. Wow. (laughs) 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 Ah, you have a big heart. Thanks. (laughs) I've okay. never heard anyone say it's with the strength or the power of a giant ocean. I think that's hilarious. I think I missed that On one. a planet that potentially has no water. <laughs> what was the context of that? I cannot remember. Hang on, wait, I'll find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. going to beat you to it. going to beat you to it. Found it. Kendron asked, Malin, you have deliberately provoked an attack. Of course I have. Do you think the Borad could ever be defeated? Mark my words. Soon our planet will rule this corner of the universe with the power of a giant ocean. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow <laughs> so good oh and then so his good. mate the sycophant says with you on the crest of the wave <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> push your tongue a little deeper <laughs> surfs up dude yeah wow that's quite <sighs> yeah Okay, that's what we thought. I think we better find out what podcast are thinks, don't you? Oh, yes, let's! Listener Minis, now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Oi, oi, you lucky people. Here again at that point in the episode we call Listener Minis. <laughs> what up? <laughs> step right up, step right in. 
<laughs> roll up, roll up. We've got not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. Oh, it is, it is seven, actually. Whoa, I was getting excited and I had to <laughs> stop myself there. We got seven listener minis. That's correct. <laughs> Dang right. Thank you, everyone who sent something in. Yeah. So we're going to start with three in full and then snips from then. And the first one we're reading is from Mr. Andy Parkinson. What up, Andy? Andy? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and he starts. Prepare the time lash, aka the Paul Darrow show. Oh, yeah. Well, what have we here? Oh, look, it's yet another disfigured villain wanting to play hide the sausage with Perry. How many times is that now? Oh, yeah, that's true. That's exactly what happened the last time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Andy has given us some likes, four of which, I don't know, seem, seem quite similar to me. Let's, let's see how they oh, sound yeah. to what you. What are they? The first one is Paul Darrow. Oh, yeah? What's number two? Paul Darrow. Oh, cool. What's number three? Paul Darrow. Oh, nice. Let's see. What's number four? Chevy. No, Paul Darrow. <laughs> <laughs> And final, like, saying, okay, there's other things. Like the skeletons collapsing to the floor, some witty oh, dialogue, yes. and blue robots who sing their lines. But let's face it, it's Paul Darrow. Yeah, nice one. Very nice. And he's also shared a list of boofs. Here we go. The boring drab sets and the disco time lash. Morlocks, yet another unconvincing monster. H.G. Yeah. Wells. See, in the beef section, he's portrayed as <sighs> such a fool. Yuck. <laughs> Did someone slip Vina a bit of Vraxo in? She's totally out of it. And a final boof. So the Borat is possibly now the Loch Ness monster? What about the Scarrison? How does he even look like Nessie? Yeah, fair questions. <laughs> <laughs> So, some drab sets, says Andy. Far too much tinsel, some less than convincing acting from some of the guest cast, and a less than sparkling script all add up to something of a totally forgettable story. But... I fucking love it, continues Andy. Take a bow, Paul Darrow. Channeling is in a Richard III. He utterly makes this story for me. Yeah, nice. Without a doubt, he outshines Colin Baker. He's getting his own back when Colin did the same to him in Blake Seven's story city at the edge of the world <laughs> okay i accept it's crap but i do not care time lash will always have a special place in my heart and andy awards this 3.8 unexplained embroidered pictures of the third <laughs> doctor buried behind a wall out of five yeah why is that? why <laughs> i mean this wait, adventure wait, wait, no. that we never get to see <laughs> yeah this is <laughs> It isn't just an embroidered picture of the third doctor buried behind a wall. It's an embroidered picture of the third doctor obscuring a mirror buried behind a wall. Is that what it is? He's obscuring a mirror and in in this this picture of him, he's like basically flipping anyone off. He's basically <laughs> there just going up, up yours. Yeah, it's so yeah. weird. It, entirely unexplained. <laughs> Andy, excellent fantastic mini. Though, mini. Andy. Thank and you. A, excellent rating. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Jim, I unfortunately am not Andy. How can I find out more about Andy online? That was very strangely phrased. But of course, go to Twitter and find Andy at Caffrey's 71. That's 71, the number. Correct. Thank you very much, Andy. Andy, who's next? Why, it's the Zoonmeister himself, Peter Zunich. What up, Peter? Peter starts. Colin is perfectly wonderful yet again. 
he and the epic Paul Darrow take turns chewing the scenery. This week, however, the props go to the android and Perry. <laughs> Honestly, which is more awesome, the android or the person who plays it? Wow, I love the movements, the ticks. Way to get into a role. Love the melodic voice too. Toppers, the guard is uncredited, no doubt the same actor. Androids Ooh. haven't been this good since The Visitation. Nice. Similarly, yeah, nice ref. I don't. Which one's The Visitation? Oh, The Disco Robot. The Visitation robot. robot is the one that looks like Ron's grandmother's rug had sex with a domino set. Like, it's all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> yeah, your description's better. Okay. <laughs> Similarly, Perry's totally sidelined and still manages to be amazing. Herbert is thoroughly enjoyable, as is Vina and the Borad. Overall, a great effort by the entire cast. Nice. Peter continues, the time lash itself is cool, perhaps in conception a precursor to the Weeping Angels. Oh, nice. However, in my retro rewrite, the Borad has the ability to malfunction the time lash and ages people as he sends them to random points in Earth's past. Why? Because as is, it's a wimpy punishment. In some ways, it's almost a blessing. <laughs> That's true. I also would have made a slightly better connection to the third Doctor, filling in many plot issues along the way. Yeah, good point. Mm, interesting. People uh, should have gone like, yes, please give me the time lash. This place sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want out. Thank you very much. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just go, go through the doors. You just let me into the room, please. <laughs> Yeah, guards throw people into the time lash, then like turn around, say goodbye, and jump in after them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Peter continues, unfortunately, there's a slightly minimalist approach to the set decoration. I guess they blew the budget on tinsel. The time lash itself is cool, though. All the other effects were likewise addressed with care. Even the Morlock isn't a complete disaster. Nice. I agree to disagree. Finally, the makeup department should have won awards for its perfection. Actually, props to the makeup department because the look of the Borad was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Overall, concludes Peter, Time Lash is better now than it was back in time when I was young. And he gives this 3.6 giant crystal neck blings. Oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> Look at all these people with such big hearts. <laughs> I know. Oh, fantastic mini, fantastic rating, Peter. Excellent stuff. Subliminal messaging for everyone else in podcast land. Post-credit sequence, post-credit sequence, post-credit sequence. Thank you very much, Peter. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Who's next? Excellent question. <laughs> Why, next up, we've got Neil. Hello, Neil. Androzani. Hello, Neil. <laughs> Neil starts, I've never really liked the saying, so bad, it's good. But if I was forced to think of an example of this, then Time Lash may be it. This story is horribly cheap, stuffed with way too many boring characters, and is appallingly directed. However, it doesn't bore me like the Twin Dilemma or Vengeance on Varos do. There is some horrible acting on display, with some of the cast literally looking like they were half asleep. The Bandrel Ambassador is hilariously shite and comes complete with a silly voice. In fact, it's yep. so embarrassing, it actually makes the Morlocks creature look pretty decent, which it certainly isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think here's my friend that agrees with me. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> Neil continues... The performance of Tekka is outrageous, but I really enjoy it. Paul Darrow is clearly determined to enjoy himself, despite acting alongside a bunch of stunned slugs. 
I quite like the guy that plays Mikros too. At least he's trying. Vida just about manages to stay awake long enough to have a few nice moments of comedy with Herbert. But the standout for me is Robert Ashby as the Borad. He has a fantastic voice and his makeup is marvellous. That's, that's probably fair, actually. It does a reasonable job. Anyway, yeah, not much to say about the Doc and Perry, but they are much more settled into their roles now, which is an improvement. Finally, says Neil, the Time Lash itself looks very Christmassy. This will be the, the tinsel vibe Neil has I also picked so, yeah. up on. <laughs> <laughs> so to sum it up, says Neil, it's bad, but I find it strangely watchable. 1.9 out of 5. 1.9. Amazing. Neil, this is great. <laughs> this is really good stuff. Thank you so much. Duh. People who are not Neil, find him on, <laughs> on Twitter at Neil Androzani. Androzani. And Zoni. on Insta, where? Neil Jamasako. <laughs> is that your space accent? Is that what that is? Is that your space accent? It's Neil James actor, and I was just trying to say in a funny way. Jamasako. <laughs> Thank you so much, Neil. Fantastic stuff, as always. Thank you, Neil. Who's next? Next, we have a small snippet coming from Stephen, Stephen from, from Canada. Canada. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Stephen has shared a list of things he hated and a list of things he liked. But we are snipping them and jumping straight to his final thoughts, which are... While I enjoyed this story, I feel it had some really awful moments. I also think it would have benefited from actually being a sequel to something shown on screen. Though this is far from the first time this has been done. See The Abominable Snowman and Face of Evil. Also, I legit thought they were calling him Borat the entire time, so that was a bit funny. <laughs> yeah, you and me both, buddy. <laughs> Overall, says Stephen, this story earns 3.5 spooky, scary skeletons out of 5. Nice. Very nice. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, thank you. So, Stephen Online, where would they go, Leon? They would go to S. Andrietchen. And they Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. Thanks, Stephen. Who's next. next? It's Mr. Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Vroom, vroom. <laughs> there, Kieran. <laughs> I'll never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Kieran has given us some lovely things, but we're just going in at the start and at the end. Starting with widely considered very bad, this and Twin Dilemma are normally placed at the bottom of the list of stories. Not a great claim to fame, is it? And particularly not for the Sixth Doctor's era for two of the worst. Mm -mm. And then we're skipping to the end where Kieran says, the closing plot point has a weird subtext of that appearances matter more, which feels strange. He's our friend who agrees with us. Yeah. I just find this very bland, with no real saving graces. So, drumroll please. Kieran gives this... <laughs> 0 0.8 out of 5 alien sock puppets. <laughs> amazing rating wow. and really hot. <laughs> oh, 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 amazing stuff. Oh, <laughs> thank you very much, Kieran. If you want to find out the exact reasons why it earns 0.8 in Kieran's mind, go to whobackwhen.com <laughs> and read the full review in all its splendor. Otherwise, you can you don't have to stop your Kieran adventures there. You could go follow him online on Twitter as well at KJ what, Leon? Evans2. 
That's right. <laughs> KJ stands for kilojoule because these Killer are Joule. electric vans. If there's electric any doubt van. about it, <laughs> yeah, it's good branding. Yeah. The good vans, yeah, I hear. Great. I think that's it's right. like two for the price of one. I, I think that's what the two stands for. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kieran. <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> next up, we've got Ed Corbey. It's Ed Corbett or Ed Corbett. Or Ed Corbett. It's one of it's those. One of those. One. That's right. Ed. It's Ed. <laughs> I can't do that. I never do that one. Why did we swap roles? That was weird. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Hello, Ed. Hello, Ed. <laughs> Ed starts, Doc arrives on Carvel and they thankfully already know him, sparing us the typical, who are you? Why should we trust you? This only started when you showed up plotline. It has now been taken over by some of the stupidest villains ever. Tekka could only be a more obvious Bond villain if he came in stroking a cat. Borad even paraphrases Goldfinger's choose your next witticism carefully. It may be your last line. Skipping to the end, Ed concludes... We've gone from, you can't change history, Barbara, not a line, to maybe Saladin wanted a plasma rifle, Perry. Did you ever consider his feelings? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and Ed concludes, sorry, I'll do a proper one next time. Loch Ness Monster? What? I think, I think there was a level of rage with these capitals. I'm not quite sure. But oh, yeah. the rating Ed gives us is quite certain. If they're very crisply written, 1.7 out of 5. Oh, Nice. That is excellent. That is a proper one, Ed. People of Podcast Land, <laughs> read this in its full splendor. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is this is all over the shop. Like, I no, know. Nothing... I'm loving it. Massively high, but we're getting a big old range. Yeah. Who's last? Bing bong, future Leon here. Nope, not quite. Bing bong. That's right. Next and last is Tan Six Fingers. And all the tans. What up, Tans? Tans says, snip, snippity, snip, snip, snips, then dives into a list of likes, says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and adds, the 10-second time slip the Doctor employs in part two. Why isn't it ever used again? It should have been added to his regular set of tools. Yes, exactly. Another new gadget. Between the tinkering and the vehicle chases, six is becoming more like three every story. Mm, interesting. Tans also gave us some dislikes. <laughs> the sandwich in the dislike bread. What? I don't know. There were three of them. This is the second one. Okay. Well, it makes, sense. It makes perfect sense. Dude, you didn't even have to explain it. <laughs> well, given a very little bit of information and making educated guesses about the approximate destination of Vina, the doctor is miraculously able to pilot the TARDIS to the exact location in both time and space when he very rarely can get to a known destination. That's fair enough, yeah. Yeah. Despite that dislike, though, because the likes do outnumber the dislikes. Oh, yeah. Tans gives this 4.3 Time Age skulls bouncing off the floor out of 5. Amazing rating system. <laughs> And I feel like we might have completed the set there. Like I think so, yeah. Is, is, is that good stuff? Is that did anyone give it two point I gave it a two point something. There we go. We've had a zero point, a one point, a two point, a three well multiple a three, three points. Point, a four and point. We finally oh, got off. This four is excellent. Points. Oh, thank Such you very much. Spectrum. Thank you very much, Hans, for <laughs> thank for you, this Tans. stunning mini. People who are not Tans need to read the full mini and the full lists in their full splendor. And please do say hi to Tans online as well. It can be found on Twitter and Insta. 
at Tan's Six Fingers and... At Tan's Six Fingers. That's right. D- yeah, yeah. <laughs> The first one's the number, the second one's the number spelled out as a word. You know. That's right. Yeah. This, you don't where, just, I mean, this is You're basically a like, <laughs> This is I mean, basically a riddle told up in the tower at Fort Boyard. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Bing bong, future Leon here with one more listener mini. Yep, that is right. This one comes from GP Haynes. GP. I say G. I say P. GP. Yeah, I already said it. Hi, GP. Right. GP says, snip, snippity, snip, snip, snip. David Chandler as Herbert was a genius. It's the Adric we wanted all along. Oh, why couldn't we have him instead? Well, glad you're wrong about that one. He adds, snip, snippity, snip, snip, snip. It's got it all. Time corridors, lasers, blue androids with daily voices. Not one, but two puppet aliens, model spaceships, spying cameras, an HG Wells homage, mirrors, time acceleration beams, poison plants, a 10 second time slip, throwbacks to the past, cloning and distorted voices. Oh my goodness. And he adds a concluding rating of 4.8 cute pics of the wonderful Joe Grant. Fantastic mini. People of Podcast Land, head on over to whobackone.com, read GP's mini in its full splendor, and when you're done with that, go and follow GP on his travels. That is both on Insta and on YouTube. Just look for at Finding G Spots. <laughs> no spaces or hyphens for your convenience. Thank you very much, GP. Uh, while I'm at it, I should say we are still in the process of scheduling all of the episodes going forward for the next, basically for the next year, which should wrap up reviews of everything that's been broadcast on TV, at least up until that point. Given uh, work commitments and all kinds of other stuff, it's a little tricky to schedule all of this in advance. So apologies, Podcast Land, for sometimes recording at very short notice, as was the case with this one. Uh, bear with us. A full schedule will be popped on whoback1.com very, very soon. Okay, right. Back to the show. Bing bong. Well, that was it. Listen, Minnie's yeah. done. Yeah, thank you, everyone's everyone. Had, everyone's had a blast, I'm sure. I've certainly had a blast. I've had a blast. Uh, what are we blasting with next? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's excellent. Hang on. I don't know. (laughs) I forgot to add that to the document. Next up in New Who territory, we will be reviewing Spyfall. Possibly Spyfall Part 1, possibly both of them at once. To be confirmed. Next up in Classic Who will be Revelation of the Daleks. Oh, a Dalek one to close up the season and the the, the the last one before we get into the, 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 the trial of the Time Lord stuff. Whee! Oh, wow. You went full Perry there. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, we're going to do an Audio Who review as well. That'll be of The Gathering completing the set, the sort of trilogy that we started aeons ago and have yet to complete. I'm going to have to re-listen to parts one and two. And we also do have a bonus episode in the wings. Yes, it is already recorded. Yes, I have yet to edit it. It is what, Jim? It's new to Who back when. When part two. That's right. AKA new two. Who back when? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's what's coming yeah. up next. In the meantime, you can of course follow our good selves on Twitter. You can find me at Jimmy the Who. Oh, Jimmy the Who now? No, just Jimmy the Who. We don't need the now bit. That's a bit superfluous. And where can they find you, Leon? Oh, thanks for asking. People can find me at Ponkin. P O N K E N. High five me online. I will high five you right back. Don't expect me to tweet much. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, this has been spiffing. It's nice when the cereal is fun, but you can still pull it apart a little bit. Absolutely. Have some drinks along the way. 
absolutely you know, make friends <laughs> i don't know where i'm going with write this. some songs anyway yeah. <laughs> yeah shoot some shit around the campfire and that's right yeah well until the next time lovely audience that you are in podcast land mm. enough to say but see ya yeah rock on be around next to each other Ciao, ciao. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when? Let the trial commence. Tusa of the Fifth Sector. You have been convicted of treason against the Borad. Treason? For falling asleep during a speech? Treason and speaking out against our most righteous ruler. All I said was the Borad is a Snorad. You admit your guilt. You admit you are a rebel. You admit to instilling dissension. I admit to being tired. I've heard enough. Into the time lash with him. No, 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 you can't do this. I'll be good, I promise, I promise. I'll be the most honorable citizen ever. I, I, I meant the Borad is a glory ad. Yes, yes, please, anything but the time lash. I'll never do anything bad ever again. So I was telling Sir Walter that all of the trees in the grove were blooming so nicely, and all at once, it was like Eden incarnate. Uh, oh. Uh, oh, uh, hello. Uh, hi, uh, I am a convicted rebel, a heretic. I was uh, banished in the uh, time lash. Uh, yes, I know. I'm in exile. I'm from an oppressed society where we have no rights, very little food, no pictures on any of our walls, no decorations in our hallways. I'll never be able to go home. First my wife and kids through the time lash, and now me. Yes, well, uh, you're welcome here. Come, have some of our feast. We have plenty of food. Wait, what? Really? Oh, Gladys, another one's arrived. Please break out the good china and the extra wine. You are on the planet called Earth. For some reason, your punishment device only sends people here, to this land of plenty. All my friends are here? My wife too? My kids? Yes, all the supposed rebels, all the exiles. They're out by the lake playing croquet. Yeah, well... Actually, maybe the timeless isn't so bad after all. Here, have some turkey and vegetables. We have plenty to spare. I think maybe I'll like it here. I mean, maybe they should have thought this through more. If they sent us all to an ice planet or something, or a wasteland, or if I were prematurely aged or burned as I was sent back, that would be a problem. But, but actually, this is pretty good. 
You're welcome to stay here as long as you like, and if you want to go off and make something of yourself, London is just half a day's travel. Otherwise, relax and enjoy. No more Borad. I can see my darling again. I, I, I'm happy to have met such a kind gentleman such as yourself. I mean, now I would like to go back, but only to tell everyone how good the Time Lash is. And they should all come through. This place is great. Funky Travel presents instant escape from all your life troubles. Ride the Time Lash. Escape your oppressed life. Discounts now available.